0: When I was speaking, I was thinking about a time when I was walking down the street in London with my sister and husband, and we went past the poor. And my sister reached out to some of the homeless to give them some money. And I remember saying, I have to work hard for my money. Why don't they work? What's their problem? And I walked on by. A year later. A year later, I was walking down the same street, giving money to anybody that was on the street, because God broken my heart. And I realized how quickly we can fall into bad times. And none of us are more than a few seconds away from being on the streets. My family experienced that this year. And this week, in fact, I've experienced it several times in my life. We can lose something overnight. A job, a husband, a child, doctor's bills can put you into poverty. You have no idea what's going to happen to you and some of you experience that. None of us can afford to die on others because God sees all men as Lord. Unfortunately our hearts, as we said, are wicked from the beginning and we're prideful and we fight that pride. And If you turn to Isaiah chapter 57, there's a verse there. Chapter 57 and verse 15 says, For thus says the whole, the High and the Lofty One, who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the High and the Holy Place, with Him who has a contrite and a humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God has humbled our hearts. He had to break my heart to humble me in order to know what his heart was. Because our hearts are hard. We don't see the things that God sees. We don't care about the things that God sees. We take care of number one. We take care of me. As long as I'm okay, then I don't need to worry about others. And we have a great tendency in our society where we have garage doors that we drive into and close and we never need to see anybody outside until we get in our home. We don't talk to our neighbors. We don't talk to people around us because we're so private. And God, when he starts breaking your heart, has a way of tearing that open because the reason he wants us filled up with his life-giving heart is his purpose is those people. I started this morning I said the only reason that we are left on planet earth if we're here at all after we've been saved is because god has us here to reveal his heart to a broken dying world there's no other purpose it's to glorify him with our life so that others can see him and have hope we bring that light and that light can only shine when it's his light not my light. and that means my heart has to be broken open Like the broken clay pots in the old days, Gideon's army, they had to, they had lights in a pot and it was only when that pot was broken that the light would come out. And it frightened the enemies to see that light. God wants to break open our hearts so that his light can be seen more clearly. Let me pray before we start our afternoon session. Father, I commit this time to you and I just ask. O Holy One, you who are lifted high, yet who stoop down to live in the hearts of those who are humble. God, would you do what you want to do this afternoon? I give you my mouth, I give you my heart to speak through me whenever you want to speak, Lord. Help us, Lord. Show us areas of pride anything that blocks you lord because you cannot dwell where there is pride it's the opposite of your nature it's satan's nature it's demonic it's not of your image god your heart is humble jesus said learn from me for i am humble and gentle in spirit and i ask you O god that you would help us this afternoon to grasp what you want to say to us about our own hearts so that our life-giving heart can bring life to others. Continue digging, Lord. Continue shining your light and truth into our hearts. Lead us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The question that um, I want to ask this afternoon is, do you have peace in your heart? How does the peace of God rule in our hearts? And one of the things that stop that peace, if you go to page 11 in your notes, um, which is where I'm going to start this afternoon, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. So this morning we talked about joy, what's stealing your joy. This afternoon we're going to talk about what's stealing your peace. Peace and joy are associated, they come together often. Do I have peace? Yesterday, there were all sorts of things happening, going on around us that were distractions, major distractions to us having this event today. One of them was that one of the girls that was going <coughs> to worship with the team got flu and couldn't sing. And we didn't find out. I don't think i found find that out until about 6 o'clock last night, so I'm sending frantic texts to the rest of the team. And hoping they were going to be OK, just concerned about them. And of course, what on earth was. They were incredible. <laughs> so, I have no reason to be concerned, but it was like that mother hen fear of what are they going to do. But I have to say that in the midst of lots of things going on, I had a peace. Now, there have been times in the past where I, with all that was happening, i had been so frantic, but I could feel the peace of God holding my heart like an anchor as the bonds went off around me. Now, my flesh was doing something. What the heck, (laughs) you know, but we've got to get below that. This is what we're talking about getting to the heart. There's a level that's your, your mind and your emotions, which is from the flesh, the human flesh, but the Spirit of God, if he lives in you, anchors you and gives you a peace that's unexplainable, right? That stuff's going on, but deep down you can say, I have peace like a river. It is well with my soul. Can you say that this morning or this afternoon? Can we say that? One of the things that I was thinking about in terms of peace, this morning we looked at the heart, and something I read a way of describing the heart, the inner being, when we say the heart, the whole of our inner being, is that it's like the workplace, it's the workshop. It's the beginning of the creation of things in us. (laughs) And the thoughts, And the intents are the products that come out of that workshop. My thinking comes out of the deep inner being of who I am. And the thoughts come out of that. And then there's a place where those thoughts can come out. And those thoughts come out through my mouth. So when I'm looking at the peace of God in my heart or looking at others around me, often we can detect whether people are at peace or not by what's coming out of their mouth. There is a huge connection in the Bible between the mouth and the heart, and that's what I want to look at this afternoon, and I'll tell you why. Let's go to Proverbs 18 and 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, those who love it will eat its fruit. This morning we've been talking about life. We have a choice between life and death. In James chapter 1 verse 26 he says, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and he doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So, you can be saying that you know the Bible and that you know the Word of God, but when the storm hits and words of negativity or anger or abuse come out of your mouth, then your religion is ineffective, is what Paul's, uh, James is saying. And it takes us into captivity. It destroys the life-giving power that God wants and it shows us that something's not right in the source which is what? The heart. Something coming out of my mouth is not right means something's not right in the heart. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, go back there. It's an interesting verse. Deuteronomy chapter 28. The start at verse 45. Moreover, all these curses will come on you and pursue and overtake you until you're destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes. So it's the obedience. <coughs> the curses will come when we're not both obeying God, according to this Old Testament passage. And they will be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. And here's why the curses came. Because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart in the abundance of everything. Therefore you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and the need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Why were they going to be destroyed? Why were they going to be in captivity to others? Because they weren't thankful for what they had. They didn't serve the Lord with joy because why? Their hearts had gone astray. Their hearts went to other gods. They followed the gods of the other nations. The nations that God warned them don't have other gods. That's a picture of our Western society. God blessed us. He's given to us. We don't thank him for it. We've not thanked him. We've not given praise for the abundance. Now we're entitled to it this generation as much as i love the young people that are here in this room i have to say there is a spirit of entitlement because the parents have given everything because we were blessed as our generation and we've given an abundance and now it's just expected it's not because it's hard work i don't have to work for it it's my right there's no thankfulness and when there's no thankfulness coming out of my mouth i will end up in captivity Spiritual captivity and bondage, and I I feel sorry for that generation. And we have to watch that we're not caught up in that, in this country, which has been blessed beyond any country in the world. We have to give thanks and remember where the blessings come from, because there's a warning here. If you don't, you will end up in captivity. You will be a captive to yourself. What comes out of your mouth will give you life or death, and it's a choice. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Choose life or death, We said this morning. What are you choosing? How are you choosing to speak? How do you speak over yourself? Are you speaking words of life or death? God created the whole world by the word of his mouth. You have creative power through the Holy Spirit in what you speak. If you speak the word of God, you're going to speak life. When your problems come, when your storms come, you speak life and you'll live life. But if you speak death, it's all hopelessness, God isn't here to help me, that person's wounded me, I can't forgive them, we go on and on. When that takes hold of your heart and it's rooted in the heart, when that path starts happening, you're on a path to death, you're going to end up in bondage, living as a victim, and you'll never get freedom. We, not just you, me, I include myself. I had an example of this this week where I was sharing with somebody, my assistant, I think Sherry, she's here today, and uh, so she, uh, she'll testify, this has been completely transparent, but one of the things that had been happening to me, we were discussing it, she'd gone through something similar. And I was showing it out of my mouth, in the middle of the conversation. I used a word that I, I don't think I have used for forever. I don't ever remember naming this word to describe something. It just, whoop, it was out, and I was shocked. I was, I hated it, I was like, God. Because I immediately felt like, oh, I just let you down and I can't take it back. It's gone out of my mouth and it's out there in the atmosphere. And I don't want Satan to catch that word and use it against me in condemnation. So I found myself immediately saying, Sherry, I'm so sorry I should never use that word. But it made me stop and think, see, because I was going to be teaching on this today. <laughs> so as I said, you don't get to teach it unless God puts you through the test first. I am as open and vulnerable and gullible to the stuff that the enemy does and where my heart is, as any of you are in the room. And I had to go to the Lord and say, please take that off. I don't want that curse to go out there. I don't want to curse the people that are involved, and I don't want the curse to come back on me. So Lord, lift it, forgive me, thank me, that when we confess our sin, we're forgiven and it's gone. I don't want those words to be coming out of my mouth to cause death. day. Now look what the Bible says about that. We're going to look at some scripture. I've written something here. Coming out of that verse in James chapter 1. It's easy for us to become prideful and our hearts to deceive us just because we have a head full of Bible knowledge. I know the word. Not all the word. I want to know more of the word. But I know the word. I've had 30 years in the word and I the word is in my heart, but my goodness, there's some stuff also in my heart <laughs> that pushed those buttons and I and that just shows me there's something wrong. I have to go back and look at my heart. What caused me to say that. And here's the thing that I want to share this if anybody understands what I'm talking about. I knew at the time I was saying that. I experienced what it's like to be a person of spirit, a person of soul. You know, the Bible talks about that the word of God is a two-edged sword piercing even to the spirit and soul. And I knew that something out of my flesh soul was speaking. But again, down below, at the deeper level of the spirit of who I truly am, that's where the truth happened. I didn't believe the word I just said. It wasn't truly who I am. It came out of this level. It came out of the flesh woman, the flesh person that was just wanting to bleh, because I was angry, just bleh, bleh, like get it out of there, you know? You know we do that, right? Women are really good at that, bleh, just out our mouths. And it's out there, and you really didn't mean it, and you wish you could have taken it back, but it's too late, it's out there. But when you go back and look at yourself, if you are a born again believer, you go back and you go, that isn't true, I think. I mean, the true me is no longer that false self. The true me is the one that has the Holy Spirit living in me, because I'm a new creation, and the new creation is going, Girl, what what are you doing over there? Can we get back together and be one here? And the Bible talks about having a divided house. And we're going to see that if we turn to Matthew chapter 12. I've written some of these scriptures out for you here, but Matthew chapter 12 talks about the tongue and the heart. In fact, the chapter starts, my, my translation, which is the New King James Version, but the introduction at verse 22, it says, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. And this morning we talked about, are you in or are you out? Are you in or are you out? You know, God is demanding our whole muchness. There's a, there's a description I read somewhere about when he says, love me with your whole heart. He's saying, with your very muchness. I think Jeremiah, David Jeremiah talks about that. Give him everything. Because if you're divided, if you're living one life with this mouth and speaking out of this side of your mouth, and then the next day you're speaking out that side of the mouth, you won't have any power against the enemy. You'll, you'll fall down every time he'll trap you. And Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees. They're trying to catch him out. And he's doing miracles and they're saying that he's the devil because he's doing these great miracles. And he says, you can't have Satan and God in one temple. It doesn't work that way. And then he goes on to say that he knew their thoughts. Verse 25 of chapter 12, that Jesus knew their thoughts. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If I have a divided thought process, a divided heart, I will not be able to stand strong. Going down to Verse 33, he goes on to talk about the heart and the mouth. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak of good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of his good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. That's a serious thought, isn't it? All those idle words that we say, they will be judged and they will be condemned. So be careful what comes out of your mouth. And if you struggle with that, if we struggle with that, it's an indication that I need to go back to the heart, which is the source of life. You see it again in Matthew 15. Let's go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 verse 11. Some of you are really happy with this verse. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man, it's what comes out of the mouth so whatever you had for dessert it's okay you might you you might gain a few pounds by the time you go home today or you might feel sick but god's going you know that's irrelevant we spend so much time talking about our diet and food and i believe we need to because we are the temple of the living god we we want to be healthy it all affects our minds and our hearts the way we eat however jesus is saying you're spending all your time talking about whether we should eat that or whether we shouldn't eat that or what we shouldn't eat I'm talking about what's coming out of your mouth isn't good. What's coming out isn't good. What you eat, you'll get rid of, but what you come in your heart, what's feeding your heart, that comes out of your mouth, what is it? What's coming out of your mouth, is it like or death? And he goes on in verse um, 17. He says, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach? It's eliminated. But those things which proceed from the mouth come from the heart. They defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, lies, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile a man. God looks on the heart, not. On the outward show. We turn to James. Let's look at what James says. about. He has a whole lot to say about the tongue. And are we speaking life or death over ourselves? James chapter 3. My brethren, don't let many of you become very small, become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bring the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. We look at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. See how great a forest of fire it kindles. The tongue is a fire, and a word, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among your members, it defiles the whole body, it sets on fire the course of nature, it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who will be made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things should not be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not come from above, it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy, self seeking, into this confusion and every evil thing are there, but the wisdom that's from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and favoritism, and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." If we want to have heavenly wisdom, if we want to have peace in our hearts, he lays it out here. It's another look into the heart. What is going on in our hearts? The greatest battle we'll face is who is ruling our hearts at every moment. We may think our hearts are right, but are we in perfect sync with the Holy Spirit? He's the one who wants to rule our heart. Do we allow Him to lead us and guide us? I want you to take a moment in your groups and. There's an exercise just at the bottom of this page, on page 12. Where you can just get together and talk about in that passage that we've just read. Heavenly wisdom versus demonic wisdom. I've called it peaceful heart or confused heart. Together, just come up with the two lists. What are the characteristics of a heart that is ruled by peace? And what are the characteristics of a heart that is confused and conflicted and basically evil at the root of it? Take a few minutes to, to discuss that together. James chapter 3 verse 30 to 18. Just make the list together what are kind the of characteristics. Just go through those words and pick out words that you would put in either column. Speak what is true Here's my heart